Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having an incredible day so far. I am, guys, you're going to love this week's guest. I am just so grateful that you guys get to experience the magic of my new friend and incredible soul, uh, Dr. Elia Gorgoris. So Dr. Elia, uh, just to give you a bit of background on him, and then I'm going to go into why I love him. Uh, he's a keynote speaker, the author of The Seven Paths to Lasting Happiness, and the president of the Happiness Center, an organization of world-leading experts in the field of positive psychology dedicated to creating personal success and happiness in everyone's lives. He's helped thousands of people over the last 35 years choose happiness, and he's also the co-host of the weekly The Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast, and he was the executive producer of the reality show Cash Boys, and is currently working on a new reality TV show called The Kindness Givers. And more importantly, Elia is just one of the warmest souls I've ever had the pleasure of experiencing. I met him when I was at a personal development retreat, and when I heard him speak, I just remember in that moment feeling like I had to connect with him. I didn't know why. I didn't know what he was. I don't know what it was about him. I don't know what about his energy, the way he was speaking, his presence really drew me in. But when I actually took the time to sit down with him and chat, it became very clear why. I mean, Dr. Ilya is just one of the most loving human beings I know. And he's one of the most empowering people I know as well, just because he's helped so many people step into that space of empowerment and, and joy for themselves and choose joy for themselves. And in this episode, we talk a lot about why we find it so hard to believe that happiness is a choice, the role that self-forgiveness plays in the courageous sort of act of living a happy life, the life-changing advice that Elia received from his grandfather that really sparked the journey of creation and inspiration that he embodies today. I mean, we talk about so many different aspects of living a fulfilling life, uh, a life that chooses happiness and and how we can all expand our own capacity to experience more. I, I really just loved this episode. It was so candid, so thoughtful, and very vulnerable. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, I don't have everything figured out in my life. And it was really humbling for me to hear that even Dr. Elia, I mean, he's still exploring a lot of these deeper concepts around what it means to live a fulfilling life. And so when you have two individuals that are very candidly exploring what it means to be alive together, magic happens. And that's really what we got to experience on this week's episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to the, to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, it goes a really long way in helping other people find the show. And every time we release a new episode, it just falls straight into your inbox. And I go out of my way to find some incredible guests. So definitely don't want you guys to miss any of these episodes. 
And if anything that we said on this podcast resonated with you, please reach out to me on Instagram, leave a review inside of the app, um, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That goes a really long way in allowing new people to really realize what the show is about, what you're taking away from it, and so that they can also benefit in a beautiful way. So just wanted to take a moment again to thank all of you for choosing yourself. Uh, in this episode, we talk so much about how happiness is a choice And by you guys choosing to go deeper into your own personal discovery and your own evolution, you're creating a pathway for everyone in your life to benefit from the way that you're showing up fully. So I love you guys. Uh, But without further ado, here is the amazing Dr. Elia. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having a very, very, very wonderful morning. The fact that I get to literally start my day looking at your face, Elia, makes my heart the happiest. <laughs> welcome to the show, Elia. Thank you, Raj. It's a pleasure. And I've been, this is the highlight of my week. I have to tell you that. So, oh, my gosh. I, like, I mean, not of my day you. of my week. We were talking about this earlier, but truly meeting you and I mean, even the way we met, it was like a resonance across the room that like, I was just like, I need to talk to that guy. And you had the similar experience, like, I need to talk to that guy. And when we came together, it was pretty apparent why we were so drawn to each other. And I'm, I just want to, one, honor you and thank you really for being who you are and sharing yourself with the world the way you do. And I'm just excited to go down the rabbit hole today and, and allow everyone else to experience the heart of one of my favorite human beings on the planet. You're welcome. You know, when I, when we, you and I first met, it was like two souls and two spirits just recognizing one another and remembering one another. That's what it felt like. Like mm-hmm. you and I have known each other for a long time. Which is yeah. me. And, and, and I think that's a great segue into today's conversation. And, and I want to really focus it on the idea of happiness because one of the things I'm most inspired by, and I was going through your book, The Seven Lasting Paths, or The Seven Paths to Lasting Happiness. And in the beginning, you started it off with just the one-liner, happiness is a choice. And I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to grasp for whatever reason. Why do you think it's difficult for people to understand the idea that happiness is a choice? Because I think far too many people, and this is going back to my earlier years as a clinical psychologist in private practice, you know, and work, and then the second half of my career working in the corporate world, people oftentimes don't believe that. They fundamentally don't believe that they have a choice. And my statement, that's why it's at the very beginning of the book, is an empowering statement that everyone can be happy. And why is happiness so important? We have to go back to the great Greek philosopher Aristotle 2,500 years ago, who said that happiness is the whole meaning and purpose of life the whole essence of human existence, right? The whole aim of human existence to be happy. And that's a very powerful statement. And I have an opportunity to travel the world and to speak about happiness and wellness. And regardless of the country, nationality, ethnicity, religious affiliate, whatever, I always start with the same question to the audience. If you were to ask any parent, any parent across the globe, regardless of their ethnicity, nationality, religious affiliation, gender, socioeconomic status, what would you like for your children? What is the answer to that question? And I take the mic and I point towards the audience. I just want them to be. And the audience goes, happy. And that happens every single time, in every talk, in every country. So that is a fundamental and universal 
I want to say almost like, like a human right, right, for us to be happy. But it's elusive for far too many people. And if you don't believe you have a choice, then you've already lost the game. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's a really powerful idea. If you don't believe you have a choice, you've already lost the game. What is the game we're playing? Well, I think the game of life is to learn how to love ourselves unconditionally. And as an extension of that, to project that into the world and love other people, accept them, love them, support them, encourage them. No jealousy, no pettiness, no, you know, I'm, I'm from the school of like, there's a huge pie, right? The abundance mentality, basically, that there's more than enough pie for all of us to eat. So your success, Raj, does not diminish my opportunity to be successful. As a matter of fact, I rejoice in your successes and I, and you inspire me and I thrive through somebody else's success too, rather than feeling like, well, oh, poor me, you know, how come Raj is so young, he's so successful already, he's so smart. Man, you know, we eliminate all of that because ultimately, when we look back at the end of our lives, what, what is the point? Why, why are we here? You know, these are big questions, right? And I, I think we're here to make a difference in people's lives. And for me personally, and I've known my purpose since I was a young boy, actually, to leave this world a better place than I found it. I can tell you that if my life ended today, mission accomplished. Now, I still have a lot more to accomplish. And I'm not ready to exit, you know, this mortal plane. But I feel like by far I've made a difference in people's lives and continue to do that. And as our sphere of influence grows and expands, initially it was locally, then state, then country, then you know the world and so on, there's a responsibility to share some of the skill. You know, happiness is a skill set. You know, what's the other thing? So if we do certain things and we do them consistently, the outcome will be that we'll have a happy and fulfilled life. There's no question about that. And I've worked with thousands of people over the last 35 years. I'm speaking from experience. And normally how I work with people, I get to know them, I give them the tools and then hold them accountable. Like really, <laughs> it's more like being an accountability coach more than anything else because they have to do their work. I can't do it for them. Right. But a lot of people, they just don't know how. It's not because they don't want to be happy. Like let's take forgiveness, for example. You know, that's one of the seven past lasting happiness. Gandhi said forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. So, okay, so it takes strength to forgive. And self-forgiveness is even more important. Self-forgiveness to me is the ultimate act of self-compassion. One of the hardest things to do too, though. So hard. So Literally, hard. one of the hardest things to do. And, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, although happiness, being happy is a choice and it's a skill set we can learn, that doesn't make it easy. It might be simple. No. There might be seven paths and there might be tasks and things that we can do. And it's not easy. And I want to come back to what you said earlier around you realizing that from a young boy, you realized that your purpose in life was to leave the world better than you found it. How did you come to realize that at such a young age? Because I think people live their entire lives looking for their purpose. They live their entire lives seeking that, that clarity. And you were able to feel that at a young age. How was that? And what was that experience like for you? You know what? It was a very specific moment in my life. I was five years old. And I get, just imagine like a five-year-old little boy, right? And my grandpa, Elia, whose name I carry and I honor and so on, who died when I was six. So it's not like he lived a long time. He pulled me aside one time in Athens in Greece growing up. So this is, he told me this in Greek, but the rough translation is this. He said, my boy, if you want to be happy in life, do something good for somebody else every day and you will be a rich man. Now, for some reason, in my five-year-old little brain, it clicked. 
okay, so do something good for somebody else every day and you'll be a rich man. Now, but he said a rich man, he didn't mean financially, obviously. He said, you know, have a wealth, a wealthy life in, in the sense of experiences and so on. And that began my path, I guess, towards helping other people on a daily basis. Now, obviously, I'm not perfect. I haven't done it every day of my life. But I, most of the days I wake up in the morning, thinking, who, can, who can I assist, help, uplift, love, embrace, support? And inevitably, if you ask that question in the morning, somebody will come in your path every day that will need that. Well, and I think it's important to remember that like help doesn't necessarily mean tangible physical help. Like it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to go move that person's heavy equipment. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go give that person financial support. It doesn't mean that like help can honestly mean, hey, I'm just going to love that person today. Hey, I'm just going to tell that person how amazing they're doing. Hey, I'm just going to bring a positive, loving energy and presence to a conversation so that they can be uplifted. I mean, when, when you when you reframe it to just how can I just give and, and pour my own love into the world, the, the idea of service even morphs. Like it's not something that has to be this, I saved 10 kids. I lived a great life. It's I continuously gave my heart and poured it into the world and whoever and, and the people around me are benefiting from it. And it's so easy to do, really. I mean, I'm a heart centered person. What you just described could be as simple as opening up or holding the door open, someone holding a couple of bags of groceries. Instead of putting their groceries down and pushing the door open, you're there ahead of them, you open the door, you keep it open, they, well, you know, they say, thank you, you're welcome, that's it. It could be talking to a customer service agent, I have to change a flight, you know, earlier this morning, the, the timing. Get on the phone with this, with this lady, and, you know, immediately they, they go into their, their spiel. I'm like, so where are you located today? Oh, I'm in Michigan. How's the weather up in Michigan? It's good. Thanks for asking. I mean, we become personal. And at the end, is there anything else I can do, sir? You know, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I appreciate your customer service. You've been great. Have a wonderful day. And they're like, they don't hear that very often because I can hear them on the, on the phone. They're shocked. They go, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. So, you know, what did this, what did this cost me? An extra 10 seconds on the phone by putting making deposits into somebody else's account. And I love that. That's like, that's a choice. It's a choice to do that, right? Like it's a choice to be on the phone with somebody and truly pour in love and intention and gratitude and just connection and compassion through the way you express what you're doing. Like that's an absolute choice. And I, and I want to come back to this idea. I think that in order to make that choice, you have to have a full well. If you don't feel like you have the space or the ability to give that, right, then you won't. And so I would love to start, I guess, like, one, why is it important to truly love yourself if you want to be happy? And two, what does true happiness feel like? So you're basically talking about self-care or self-love, which is obviously the first path to lasting happiness. I mean, kindness and service is the last one. And it's purposeful how, why I put them that way in the book. We start with self-love because if my batteries are not full, it's very difficult to help somebody else. And I know personally, if I start getting cranky or short with the people around me or whatever, my immediate thought is like, why are your batteries, you know, it's almost like charging your phone. Did you not charge your phone last night while you were sleeping? Like, why are you reacting this way? Because when my batteries are full, you know, the simplest example is road rage. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway. If my batteries are full, you know what happens? I slow down and I wave them in. And they're kind of shocked that actually they cut me up, but then that I'm polite. They wave back and I wave back. If I'm not in a good place, somebody cuts me off. 
the international finger goes up basically and you're like you're you know start cussing in greek basically so so <laughs> no, i used to see you like fingers up just cussing in greek everybody yeah. left and right on your motorcycle just going yeah. man and the point is, is what the circumstances are exactly the same but i'm different if I'm if my batteries are full, I'm relaxed. Hey, the guy may be in a hurry. It's nothing personal. He maybe he didn't see me. I you know I excuse the behavior. If I'm cranky, man, I'm gonna nail that person, and it, it's a reflection of where, how I am inside. So that's the whole point. So if I don't take care of myself physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, I'm gonna suffer. And and most of us don't take care of those. Some people don't even take of any of those areas. Well, I want to just highlight this. I think most people rely on, they think it's the responsibility of others to make them feel emotionally fulfilled or emotionally safe. Or like, I, I, I know a lot of people in my life that rely on something outside of them to make them feel a certain way, whether it's a job. Like if I go to a job and I succeed, then I'll feel good and then I'm valued. And so like, I think there's an attachment to something external, but what I feel you're describing right now is a tank that is, is separate. It's a tank that is independent of anything or anyone outside of you. It's not on your spouse to create self-love. It's not on your success and your relationship to money to create self-love. Self-love is an independent job. So can you, can you describe that, I guess, like, or go deeper? Very easily. If it's to be, it's up to me. Because how can I have self-love from the outside if it's to be? You can surround yourself with people that love you and adore you and all that stuff. But if you don't have a great relationship with yourself, it doesn't matter how many people love you. You're going to seek more and more and more, and you'll never be enough. It's like a bottomless pit. On the flip side, when you take care of yourself, all the love from the outside is the icing on the cake. You're the cake. And all that other love is the icing, which is great. I love icing. I mean, icing is, is awesome. <laughs> but, but you can't just have icing and no cake. That would likely be terrible, actually. You know what I mean? So, so what, is, uh, what does having a full self-love tank feel like? It means that you've made yourself a priority. That you, I mean, we can start with the physical stuff, that you get a good night's sleep. I mean, the classic stuff, right, that you move. There's some energy movement. There's some exercise that you try to eat healthy food. And I'm not the best at that. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I love my sweets. I'm Greek. We love sweets. Well, that's but, part of self-love too. Yeah. And everything in moderation. Too, like Aristotle said, like everything in moderation. You don't have to, you know, when I was younger, I used to be a, a national champion swimmer when I was a kid in Greece. I used to eat like half a gallon of ice cream in one sitting. Mm -hmm. When I first came to America, I couldn't believe there was so much ice cream here. The half a gallon chocolate carnation ice cream. I used to eat the whole thing in watching a two-hour movie. But I also swam 10,000 yards a day and I burned all those calories and I was like fit. If I did that now, I would kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of, couple of uh, you know, tablespoons, that's enough. Put the ice cream away, everything in moderation. So that's the physical aspect. I think the emotional and the, and the mental, which is the biggest battle, of course, it has a lot to do with forgiveness and self-forgiveness. Given that we're imperfect human beings and we make mistakes, you know, and we have human weaknesses and human frailties and so on is to learn not only to forgive, but to forgive quickly, sincerely, and consistently. Forgiveness is not a one-time thing. We all have strengths and weaknesses. That's one of my strengths. I tend to forgive myself very quickly. I don't really have like a plethora of things. I don't have the backpack that most people put on every morning before they even brush their teeth when they get up. And this backpack is, you know, full of 
a hundred pounds worth of rocks, pebbles, boulders, you know, and they're all symbolic of their resentments, their hurts, their weaknesses, their mistakes, their addictions, their whatever, their self hate and all that. And they wear that backpack and they walk around through life every single day carrying that. I don't have that. I have no backpack. I get up every morning and, you know, if I've made a mistake, I kind of, you know, go back to Nelson Mandela, right? When he said, there's no losing. Either I win or I learn. That's it. Well, I think forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person. It's for yourself. At least that's what I found in my life, right? Like even when I forgive someone else, I am releasing the resentment. I'm releasing the 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 hold, the jealousy, the hold, the the I don't want to say negative energy because it's just a lower vibration energy. Like there's like a it's a heavier sort of dense matter. Like you said, the rocks on the backpack. I actually really like that. Like I'm lightening the load by exactly. truly letting it go. Like it's not like I'm throwing the rocks at someone else by forgiving someone else. I'm actually just taking the rocks and throwing it to the side. Exactly. And throwing it into the world and, you know, just letting nature have whatever the hell I was holding on to. Yeah. And people have asked, well, what is forgiveness? Do you know what? Forgiveness equals freedom. That's it. It's as simple as that. You, what you just described when you drop all those rocks and pebbles and boulders on the ground and you let go, you're free then. You're unencumbered. You're free. And therefore, you can float in that higher vibration. You can float through life. It's nourishing. Like it nourishes your spirit. It nourishes your your heart. It nourishes you when you can lighten the load that wasn't yours in the first place, right? Like I feel like most of my resentments in the past have come from me attaching to a specific expectation that I put on somebody else that was an unmet need. Or there's always a story behind the thing that I'm not willing to forgive, that I'm going to take with me to my grave. And when I can soften my ego and I can truly just let and look, look like this isn't about the other person. This is for me. Like, can I let this go and bring down my guard and just receive whatever love I can give from myself? Like, that's what for, I feel like forgiveness is that softening. Yeah, right? it's, it's the it's it's the bravest thing one can do. I think it is truly the bravest thing to forgive someone who hurt you or to forgive a parent for not doing their best or a forgive a friend for wronging you, like whatever, right? Like, I mean, it's so hard because it's like society will cling to like, oh, you, you deserve to feel this way. You get to be angry. Like, sure. And that choice is, and again, back to happiness being a choice, like forgiveness is, is a choice. And you know who taught me that? I had a client about like literally 30 years ago. I was just getting started as a psychologist. I was young. And his wife came in and she was ready to divorce her husband. And uh, she told me the reasons why. And he comes in. Basically, the biggest issues were he never apologized. He never forgave. He was just like a harness. It was a difficult man, negative, miserable. And when I got to know him, you know what I discovered? He was harder on himself on the inside than he was on his family. Like he, he hadn't forgiven himself about anything. So I had to like work from the inside out, basically. I had to help him learn how to forgive himself. And then it became so much easier to forgive everybody else and to say, I'm sorry, and to be vulnerable and be open. But he had to do the work on himself first before he could uh, do that with his family. Uh, that is so powerful, man. That is, I mean, I, I really, if anybody listening, you take one thing away from this conversation. What Ilya just said was so powerful. Just your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. 
Hands down. Like when you, when you learn to, cause you can only see in others what you see in yourself. Like our brains are reticular activating systems. Like the best way it was explained to me was like, if you really wanted a red car and you go and buy yourself a red car, all of a sudden you're going to start noticing red cars everywhere. Everywhere. Right. And it's not that the market was flooded with red cars. No. No, it's just no, it's not that the market was flooded with red cars. It's just that you now have a personal connection to red. Therefore, you're going to start seeing it everywhere. And it's the same thing. So personally, on the inside, if you don't have that, that sense of of compassion for yourself, it's going to be extremely difficult to have that sense of compassion for others. And your life is going to be a mirror. And I think that's what's so empowering about your message and, and the idea within the fact that happiness is a choice and a skill set. Because when, when we can truly come to that, that understanding that like the love that I'm craving in the world, the love that I don't even know is possible for myself, the love that I see other people experiencing and I get angry that I cannot have is actually in our grasp if we just truly learn to to embody a few of these specific skill sets. So I'd love to transition into the skill sets, Celia. Well, I want to ask you a question, actually. Sure. Well, yeah. so, because a lot of people think that, do you think self-love is selfish? I used to. Okay. I used to, I used to think that taking care of myself was selfish, that if I had money to give my parents, if I had money to give my family, if I had money to give causes and, and other people, if I had money to pay my employees... I had to do that because me taking and taking care of myself was selfish. And over time, I've, I've personally from myself come to realize that if you don't treat yourself like someone you love, you cannot love the people in your life with the intensity that is possible for yourself. Like the cup that I can give from now for my family, the presence that I can bring, the love that I can show up with is so much more impactful now as a result of me learning to take care of my own needs, me learning to prioritize my well-being, which can be mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual, as you mentioned. But it has been an uphill battle for me. Like that was a really, for you know, all coming us, from, for all right? Of us. That's true for all of us. But the takeaway from this is self-love is not selfish. Self-love is necessary in order to be able to show up as your best self in this world. And and that and your best self blesses everybody else around you as a result of that. Well, and I, I think it's, I'd love to hear your just your philosophies on this because I think that we're going through a culture shift right now in the world where self love is going from a luxury to a necessity. So, like, can you talk about that 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 budding movement? And I guess this is a great conduit into the skill sets as well for happiness, what we can build and what we can really embody. Because, like, how can anybody who can't necessarily afford self-love, right? So like there's, there's a financial aspect to self-care that I think people confuse with like the simple practices of being happy. So how can, how can somebody who may not feel like they've got the luxury of loving themselves actually start the journey to loving themselves? Well, uh, first and foremost is gratitude. I mean, listen, you cannot be grateful and depressed at the same time physiologically. Your brain can't be in two spaces at the same time. So gratitude for, aside from forgiveness, I, I put gratitude right there at the top. It's easy to be grateful when things are going well in life. But can we be grateful when we're facing adversity? And I say that all of us in this world, we're all graduates from the same university. I call that the university of adversity, all of us. And the older we get, 
the degree, right? The more setbacks, the more difficult people that we love will die, will have financial difficulties, uh, will have maybe relationships that don't work out, will have, you know, cancer, diabetes, disease, all kinds of things will happen, right? Is it so? Is it possible to be grateful in the midst of adversity, or because when things are going well, I think it's the easiest thing to say I'm grateful. That's a piece of cake. That's you know that's easy. Can we find gratitude in the adversities of life? Yes or no? Is that possible? I think it's a muscle. It's not something you can do on day one. It it is extremely difficult to do on day one. I'll say that. Like so, gratitude has been a literally the lifeblood of my existence over the last five years. It is one of the most important practices I have personally begin to practice. Like I literally every morning, every night, every time I even become aware of something that I get to be grateful for. It's like a, it's something now that I naturally do, but in the beginning, oh my gosh, like when my life wasn't how I wanted it to be, when my relationship how wasn't with my with my ex was not how I wanted it to be with when my career wasn't going the way I wanted it to like it was really hard and I had to and and in the beginning it was chipping away like it's like finding the little things no like it starts it starts. With, it starts with like the little things it's like fine I have my health like I have loving parents I have you know I've got you know a brother it's like it's like these little things and then over time they became more rich and, and, and it's interesting. Like this last year we were talking about has been a really difficult year for me with just personally. And a lot of things have been coming up and, and also I've never been more grateful. I wouldn't change a thing about the deaths, the, the heartbreaks, the, the, the challenges. I mean, they are, everything is happening for me and I'm realizing that now more than ever. And, but it, it took some time to get there. And I feel like gratitude is part of self-care mentally and emotionally because if i'm in a grateful state man life is good no matter what life looks like if i'm not in a grateful state then life sucks no matter what life looks like right and that's the choice like i know so many people that don't make the choice to be grateful because they're like i don't want to be grateful and there's like this ego i don't get that though i really do not get that i don't understand that at all like i don't want to be grateful for this i don't want to be like it's like why don't you want to be grateful like i think that like and and i've and i've Come to actually realize there are two types of people, people that, again, make the choice and people that don't. And then there's people, actually, there's three types of people. There's people that make the choice, there's people that don't, and there's people that aren't even aware that they have a choice. Exactly. So we want to educate and we want to enlighten and bring people to the knowledge that you always have a choice. I mean, I go back to Viktor Frankl's book, you know, Men Search for Meaning, one of the most amazing books and experiences, right, in the history of literature, but even for him. If you can have an attitude like that in Auschwitz, and I've been to Auschwitz. Yeah, I read about with it. my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I can tell you that the energy in that place, you know, 60 years after the Allies came in and uh, rescued, you know, those few people that were still alive there, was so negative and so dark. And I was a free man. I was an American as a tourist, basically, walking to us. When we walked out, my wife and I cried for like three hours. We didn't speak to one another as we're driving... Uh, out of Poland and back to Germany. We didn't say a freaking word. We were so overwhelmed. And I thought to myself, you're a free man. And look at the impact this energy, because it's a very you know, heavy, dark energy there, had on you. And he lived through that with the Nazi guards and all that stuff. And he still chose, he chose, even in the darkest of places, you know, his attitude. So we can all choose our attitude, no matter what is happening in our lives. We all have that choice. 
there's the choice to forgive yourself and others. There's the choice to be grateful for everything you have in your life. And it's a choice to see the glass half full, whether you're in a failing marriage, whether you're in, you're not where you want to be yet. It's a choice to, to be that, right? What is, what are some other choices that we can make? Yeah, I think the choice to be kind or not to be kind. We talked about that too, right? There's kindness all around. There's ways to serve other people that doesn't cost anything other than the willingness to be kind, either verbally or physically or or otherwise. I think the other that has to do with relationships and healthy relationships, because you can do all the other six past lasting happiness, love yourself, attitude or gratitude, forgiveness, purpose and passion, nourishing your spirit, be kind and all that stuff. But if you surround yourself with toxic relationships, that's very hard to maintain your happiness. It's so hard to do that. So part of, uh, you know, we still have a choice to, and I, over about 15 years ago, I made a conscious decision to eliminate any toxic relations from my life. So what is a toxic relationship? Can you describe that? We all know what a toxic relationship is like, but yes, I can describe it. It's a relationship that feels like somebody has stuck a, like a hose into your soul and sucks you dry man it's a negative pessimistic i mean it's toxic you can't breathe you feel controlled you feel repressed you feel boxed in you're never good enough when you're around them you always feel worse after you you go to lunch with them and you walk away and you feel like crap versus going to lunch with somebody else and you walk away and like man i can't wait to see them again right that's the opposite of a toxic so we can all recognize what it's like we we've all had toxic people in our lives that's inevitable but you can make a conscious decision. And I've had people push back. It's like, well, that's easy for you to say. How about if it's in your own family? What if it's your mother-in-law? I'm like, then we then we have a different conversation. We talk about healthy boundaries. Yeah. That's how you eliminate toxic relationships. And my thing in all of the relationships that I have, Raj, is this. If I treat you with love, kindness, and respect, I expect you to treat me with love, kindness, and respect. It's that simple. And people say, well, how can you say stuff like that? I'm like, why? As long as I show up loving, kind, and respectful towards you, I have every right to expect you to treat me the same way. And if you don't, you're out. I may give you a chance or two, but we'll have a discussion. And I will ask you, Raj, do I treat you with love, kindness, and respect since you met me? Yes or no? Absolutely. Okay. Then I expect you to treat me the same. It's a simple formula. It's a a simple (laughs) formula. That's it. And therefore, if somebody is not willing to do that in return, then they're out. And it's their loss, practically, because I'm a loving, kind and, and, you know, human being. Obviously, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that. But so if I don't treat you with love, kindness and respect, then I can't expect that from you in return. So the first thing is, how do I show up in my relationships? I think that's a really important note to to like really focus on how am I showing up in the relationship? Because I found that expecting others to show up the way that I want them to show up is taking away my power. If I'm showing up loving and then the other person's not showing up loving in return and then I get angry because they're not showing up loving in return, that's me giving my power to someone else, which then makes the relationship toxic. But when you just focus on yourself, like, am I showing up loving? Am I showing up positive? Am I encouraging this human being? Am I being the best I can be in this? And they're still not responding. That's when I think it's a really powerful, like healthy boundaries or goodbye. Yeah, that, that's the time to have, if, if they're important to you, that's the time to have that conversation. And it's a simple conversation. How do I show up with you? Have I been kind? Yes. Loving respect? Yes. Okay. How come you're not doing that with me? I'm in a bad mood. 
that you can be in a bad mood, but you can't treat me that way. You could be in a bad mood. Or- well, I think most people will tolerate toxic relationships because they're afraid that they'll be alone. Like a lot of a lot of people. I would much their- rather be alone than being in a room with toxicity. It's like poison gas. I'd rather well, be by myself without the poison well, gas. Hundred percent. And I, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking of like, I mean, there's so many people that I know personally that feel so trapped in their communities. Like they grew up in these communities. They grew up with these either religious sort of like, like tribes, right? Like, sure. and and they're and they want something different. Like I remember when I first started my journey to entrepreneurship. Like I didn't have any entrepreneurial friends in my network. I didn't have any. Like I worked in full time. I, I, you know, everybody I was working around was really working towards, you know, retirement and like working and trying to party on weekends. And I was just, I was a lone wolf trying to really look and like, and there was a period of time where I actually felt like I was around a lot of, like, I, like I didn't, I, I didn't want to leave my, my, my communities because I was afraid of being alone. And and so I think there's that piece too. And, but I, I think the more you learn to honor yourself, the more you attract the right people in your life too. So let me share this with you. I, I've worked with a lot of couples over the years, right? And some of them made it and worked on the relationship and had a better relationship. And this is what I would say to couples when they would first come in, in our very first session, I would say, listen, if we work together, I can guarantee you two things. Either you're going to have a much healthier relationship going forward, or you're going to get a divorce. What I guarantee you, you are not going to go back to the status quo because the status quo hasn't worked or else you wouldn't be in my office. Now, would you <laughs> set the stage, right? So either you guys work together and, and work things out or you go your separate ways. And then we can do that in a loving way, especially with your kids involved. What I discovered was for those relations that did not work out and they went their separate ways, you know, either legally or whatever. Otherwise, when I had the last interview with them, you know what the one thing that was consistent? They all said, I wish I would have done that sooner, but I was afraid to be alone. Every single person, nobody said, oh, I'm glad I, I waited another 10 years and, you know, to end this relationship. No, I wish I had done this sooner. It was fear that held me back. Yeah. The fear right. of being alone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The fear of being alone. How do we heal that fear and wrap it with love? If you go back to self-love, though. If you truly are practicing self-love, you are never afraid to be alone. You actually enjoy time by yourself. Okay. So forgiveness. Yes. Gratitude. What is the next part of truly filling up that tank so you can be be happy? I think also, you know, yeah, love, of course, love yourself, obviously being kind and being of service to other people. The one thing we haven't really talked about is our nursing our spirit, because that's that is one of the seven paths. And and it's not a religious chapter necessarily. It's more like I come from the philosophy that we're not physical beings having a spiritual experience, but rather we are spiritual beings having a physical physical experience, right? Which could last 20 years, 50 years, 80 years, or 100 years. But in in essence, the spirit is eternal. Our physical, you know, existence here on this earth is really, the older you get, the faster it goes. It's true what they say. So nourish your spirit, meditate, live life mindfully whether you pray or however you connect with that higher source of divinity, your higher self, if you're not religious, whatever you call that, pay attention and listen to that still small voice because that still small voice, some people call it the Holy Spirit, the whole, you know, whatever, your intuition or your higher self. It's one of the few absolutes in life. Now I'm a spiritual person, so I do call it the spirit of God. That's my personal belief. 
every time that I've listened to it and acted upon what I heard, it has always worked out, always. But because I'm not a perfect human being, there are times when I have listened to that voice <laughs> and ignored it. <laughs> because, and every time I've ignored it, I've always paid the price. Because it's almost like either your higher self or that spirit say, Ilya, go in this direction. This is, you know, sometimes I ignore it because, you know, I'm ego, whatever. It's usually ego, like, well, I don't need to do that. Well, I've always yeah. paid the price. So as I've gotten older, when I was younger, I used to ask why. Because I'm a curious person, you know, my psychologist, whatever. I no longer ask why. When I hear that voice and tell me to go in a certain direction, I trust it fully and completely because it always works out. I don't really need to know why. Not always. You know, I had a really important mentor of mine share this with me last year. And it was, Raj, you don't really need to know why. You just need to experience what's happening. And I thought about that and it was pretty brilliant. I didn't realize the depth of it until later. But the, the need to know why is a function of the mind. Yes. And it's a function of like, I need to know why, because knowing more information is going to help me feel safe. And it's your mind's trying to protect you. So it's based in fear. There's genuine curiosity, like, oh, why does that happen? And you can follow that if that's true. But most of the time when we ask why, it's, it's to have a greater understanding of something. And that to, that, that to me takes you away from experiencing the moment and being present and allowing yourself to just be with what is and be in the magic, right? And that magic is that nourishing aspect. Yeah, you know what's really funny about that? My mentor, when I, when I was about your age, pulled me aside one time because I was always, why, 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 why? And he said, Ilya, stop. You need to delete the need to understand. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy saying? Like, I want to understand. He goes, no, no, I'm not saying you shouldn't understand. I said, delete the need. I need to understand something. No, you don't need to understand anything. You need to accept. And that was like, a, that was such a paradigm shift, Raj. Like he twisted, I felt like he twisted my mind like 10 times. I'm like, what is he saying? Like, I don't get what you, where you're coming from. And I really had to sit with it a long time to fully appreciate the wisdom of his words. Delete the need to understand. Not delete understanding because if we are all, I want to continue learning as long as I live. Learning is awesome. It's different that need to understand something oh yeah no dude oh, that's, so, so, powerful. that's it, it, so powerful like it blew me no it was so powerful it just blew me away i'm like what are because initially i didn't get what he was saying right and i'm like no i want to understand i need to understand I, I need he goes no you don't i'm like what do you mean i don't like i'm not saying you shouldn't learn you should learn the rest of your life but having that need i need to that's different it is so different it turns out he was right by the way <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a, you know, one of my, I, I refer to this movie a lot on the podcast, but uh, there's a, an amazing Disney movie. It's called Soul. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, though. No. Oh, my God, Ilya, you and your wife should sit down and have that uh, as a, like a, just a fun thing to no, do I together. I think she has seen it, but I need to see it with her again. It's, yeah, it's, Soul, yes. It is it is so beautiful. And I mean, at the, the premise of the movie is that, you know, we, we spend our entire lives trying to understand why we are here, what we are here to do, why, 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 why. Right. And the soul just came here to experience life. It's in the it's in hearing the birds chirp. It's in it's in tasting pizza. It's in yes. it's in learning to be in love with the moment and to have the senses and to taste. And and when we can find the magic in those everyday experiences, when we can find magic, that's what nourishes. That's that to me is what gratitude allows. Like that's why gratitude for me has been actually the most nourishing thing for my spirit because it brings me into the present moment 
And it brings me back to the realization that, wow, I have my breath. Wow, I have, I can touch and feel and taste whatever I'm tasting. And, and there's, this, there's this enamored sort of feeling with, uh, there's, a, there's a sense of awe that I think uh, the soul naturally wants to experience in the absence of fear and understanding. Like, we don't need to understand magic. We can just experience it. Exactly. Exactly. So it's the same principle. So anyway, that was very helpful to me. It was very helpful. I'm going to walk away with that one. That one, the need to, the need. Need is a, just a, it's, I, I've been really challenging myself recently around like really trying to like, all right, what do I really need? Because so I think I personally unconsciously use the word need a lot. It's like, I need this. I need this from you. I need this right, from that. Right. I, I need, 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 need. Or I should, or I have to. It's like, but when I actually examine be back, be careful with those. Be right. careful with those. They're they're That's they're very slippery because you're yes. like because well, when I actually start examining, like, do I really need that? No, I mean it'd be a nice to have, but need like yeah, there needs and wants, right? And those are two different things. I yeah. think I need to drink water every day. That's a legitimate need, or else I'm going to expire. I think I need to eat food at some point. You know, those are you know those are biological needs. But we don't need a whole lot of stuff. We mm. want stuff, which is fine. And there's nothing wrong with wanting stuff, by the way. I mean, I like the good life. I mean, we like to travel and stay in nice places and, you know, whatever. I mean, but we don't need them. They're nice to have. But, you know, the things that matter the most is love, self, others, service, gratitude. Uh, the one thing that we haven't talked about, is, which is the last the path, it has to do with purpose and passion. Mm. Meaning that people that, uh, learn early on in their lives what is their true purpose and follow that they tend to live life with more passion because they truly enjoy what they're doing that also contributes it, it may not be you know the, in the top three but it's important it's an important part of that and as i said that i found my purpose early on in my life and i follow that path that's why i feel like i haven't really worked a lot in my life i've played in in the sandbox that i enjoy you know which is loving people and working with people well, it can be that simple. I, I think, you know, for a long time, I had this grand sort of idea that my mission and my vision in life was supposed to be something grandiose. Oh, I'm here to end world hunger. I'm here to da 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 And I think the more I stepped back and softened my ego and softened the need to be anything, my my natural sort of desire, purpose, passion, inspiration comes back and it's found in everyday experiences. Like, I think passion, and I, and I, I personally believe passion is an absolute choice. And you're like, very passionate. I mean, your passion oozes out of you, man. You're like full of passion. With the it's, it is an absolute choice. Like, and gratitude fuels passion for me. Gratitude, like when I, I was actually thinking about this today, like what inspires me? And it is like when I am, or what does feeling inspired feel like? When I'm grateful, oh my God, I am like the most inspired, passionate playful, loving human being on the planet because it's like this feeling like, oh my God, like there's this childlike wonder that oozes when I'm just grateful because I see so many things that I get to be grateful for. Yeah, because gratitude is like, you know, it's energy that fills you up, you know, and yeah. from gratitude, you can literally do anything it's, because you're it's, full, man. You're, it's full. You can tell, gratitude doesn't mean we have a lot of things, by the way. It's a state of mind and a state of being. Yes. And as every research has shown, people that are grateful with what they have, not how much they have, but what they have, tend to be happier than people that have more, that are not grateful well, because they well, always want more. Well, Ilya, look at it this way. Like, there's the feeling of 
being grateful or feeling grateful. And then there's having gratitude. Like there are two separate experiences. Like I can use the idea of, oh, I'm grateful for these three things to then spark a feeling of gratitude within myself, but they're independent. Like, so with that said, like you can have a million dollars, you can have the most loving family in the world. You can do all the things you want or have none of it. And the feeling of, of gratitude is in your body and you can use anything you want and to in your heart it. too. I think it's in it's your in heart your, too. It's in I your heart. It. Yes. Oh so. my gosh. <laughs> Ilya, I, I, I want to take a moment to just express my gratitude for you. Like I, I am, I told you this, I had no idea where the hell this conversation was going to go today. I had no idea which direction we were going to dance in and, and I'm just like, I, I love who you are. I, lo- I love really, truly, truly, truly love who you are. And I, and I, and I just am so grateful that you are in my life. And I'm grateful that I'm just grateful that you have made it your life's work to, to, to just love others. And I plan on being in your life for a long time, my friend. I, 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 I plan on having <laughs> you in my life. getting rid of me that quickly. <laughs> I plan on having you in my life for a long time, too. Um, Ilya, so the, the, the seven paths to lasting happiness, where can, uh, obviously, everybody, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now, and it is just, it's, it, you can feel Ilya's heart in it. Like, it actually sounds exactly like you. Like, I'm, like, reading it, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm hanging out with Ilya right now. And it's no, you know, because I wrote it from my heart. I didn't write it as a PhD. And, you know, when you write, it was my first book. So it was like my little baby. And when you write something, it's like almost like writing a song. You know, I knew it was a good book. I mean, I, I poured my heart and soul in it, but you don't know how it will resonate with people, right? So you don't know if you like go on stage and people are going to boo you off or they're going to start singing along with you because, uh, it, so when the reviews started coming in and they started moving up and it became a number one bestseller, I was shocked because. What the review said is, and a lot of them were like, well, Ilya, it's not like you've said anything new about happiness that Aristotle didn't say 2,500 years ago. Like, what is happiness? Self-love, gratitude, forgiveness, passion, purpose, your spirit, you know, relationships and, and kindness. But what we love about your book is that at the end of every chapter, you have a couple of points for the reader to ponder and to meditate on and to consider, a couple of questions to answer. And then you have what you call take action. And we, that's what we love about it. Like, we all know self-forgiveness is important. Most of us don't know how to do it. And you take us step by step by step. So in the end, and this, I want to end with this note. It doesn't matter what you know in life. What matters is what do you do with what you know? That's the key to success in everything that we do. Because otherwise, knowledge without application is just education. And education is good, but it's not enough. It's mental masturbation. Is the best way Whoa, I like to play. Yes. <laughs> That's one word I didn't expect in today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I had to but finish I it with a cherry. Message. I had approved this message. <laughs> I, had to, I had to put a cherry on top. Uh, anyway, uh, I have one last question for you, my brother. Uh, in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? You know, I have a child like, and I always have, my wife says the same thing. It's like, we're, how do you love so many people? Where does that come from? I said, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just channeling it down. I have a childlike exuberance. It, I mean, you can see it. It, it, it. Part of it is being Greek, but part of it is just my personality. That's, I just love people and I love meeting people. And I'm just so curious about them. Every person has a story and every person has a remarkable story. Actually, if you get quiet enough and you ask the right question, you get to know them. And every person has the capability to become their, their best selves in this lifetime. 
most people just don't know they have the choice or don't know the right tools to. But if you give them the tools and you support them and you love them, and honestly, I feel like I was given a gift when I was really young to have the ability to see the potential in somebody else before they see it in themselves. Mm. So, so part of my, you know, my, my job or my life's work is to share that and then get them to see it because me seeing them, them is not enough. So what if I see it, but get them, not only see it, embrace it and start loving themselves and begin to live into that great potential that each human being has to live a great life. I can't tell you how rewarding that is mm. to, to, to see somebody who's down and out pressed, you know, feeling like a failure and all that stuff. I mean, I work with addicts. I've worked with all kinds of people. And then see them transform from within. But so I, I, you know, that's something that I've that I've been given. I can't control it, but I see people and I'm like, man, look at this person's potential. And at first I'm like, well, if you really knew me, you wouldn't say that. And I'm like, oh, I do see you and I do know you. You don't know yourself yet, but what you're capable of doing. Let me show ah, you. I love that, Ilya. Oh my gosh, that's that resonates so much, man. I, you're you're such a light. I am just. I love you. I mean, dude. does that make sense? Did I, did oh, I makes, explain what no, I No, and I, well, uh, well, it's nourishing to be able to see people for the beauty that they are. Like, to stay grounded, like, and to truly remember that we are all beings of light and that we are all right. spiritual beings having a human experience. And just because our human brains forget our divinity doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And remembering that is such a beautiful way to connect us back to love, presence, gratitude. And the knowing that we're all here to be and experience something special. It resonates so much. And I'm just, I love you so much. <laughs> I just do. So anyways, uh, Ilya, again, thank you so much for being here, brother. Um, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Ilya. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.